today on Octal FM, Gelard and I go exploring strange new worlds and delve into the realms of creative genius as we discuss our favourite game worlds to get lost within. Hello and welcome to another episode of Oxl FM. I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelato. And today we're going to talk about the games whose worlds we love to get lost in. Mm. At least that's the title we've gone with. It's <laughs> <laughs> a um, bit of a mouthful. Yeah, but the idea of it is that when you're playing video games, there's two things that usually draw you in. It's either the gameplay itself or it's the world in which you're playing within. Mm. And as games get more and more sophisticated and can have more and more content in them these worlds get truly enormous and suck you into the point where your whole mind is just drawn into thinking like you're in that world and that culture and that history like and i know there's a couple of games on the list that we're going to talk about where that's definitely happened to me Mm. and we just thought it'd be cool to tell people about what we think about those games and maybe give you an idea of why you should try these games if you haven't already yeah, and also it's actually, it's really interesting, you, you know, you mentioned immersion. I, I find immersion in video games is, is a really interesting topic as from a technical point of view as well, like what makes a game immersive? And so we're sort of touching on that by giving examples of games that we find immersive because of their game world. And that's really, as you say, it's one kind of facet of what makes a game um, really immersive. Incidentally, my uh, my tutor at university uh, he was absolutely fascinated by video game immersion. He was a he was an mm. HCI um, professor, and he used to play games like Shadow of the Colossus and stuff because, and he used right. to you know analyze games for their immersion and work out how can you measure immersion and how immersed people get in video games. It's really interesting. That is really interesting. I wonder if you can give a metric to immersion. Yeah, like how do you do it? Like, is it like the amount of time you think passed versus the amount of time actually passed while you were playing the game? <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. There is definitely some kind of... Uh, there'd be a formula there, I imagine, won't Yeah, there? definitely. So we're going to start off with one of my games, and I've mentioned it a few times in the past, and it's pretty well known to you how much of a fan I am of the game, uh, and that is Ragnarok Online. Mm. That was my, my first MMO um, back when we were like 13, uh, playing on a 56k modem. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is an early 2000s Korean-based MMO game, so it was very grindy. MMOs of the day usually were anyway, but this one was was pretty bad for its grind. And it was based on a Korean manga, a manhwa. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was called called that. Ragnarok. The, the game was the, the series was just called Ragnarok, right? Which in itself is very loosely based on Norse mythology, of course. Hence yeah, the, the term Ragnarok, um, and the server names were named after the main characters from the, from the story. So yeah, there's a little bit of trivia, <laughs> and. The game itself is is is, is kind of it's kind of a dull game when it comes down to the core mechanics of it, but it's how it uses the mechanics that make the game fun to play. But specifically, what I want to talk about the game was its world, because for me, it wasn't so much that the gameplay was immersive or like so talking to all these wonderfully detailed NPC characters was immersive, but it was just the actual sort of world they crafted for you to play within. Mm. So they, they'd taken a little bit of the information and background from the the manga series, they'd use that to sort of inspire themselves, and then they've just created a whole world. 
And one right. of the great things about it was that it kept being made bigger with expansions. And nowadays, that's pretty standard, right? You get, like, MMOs that have just regular updates. You have, like, DLC packages mm. for games, etc. But you got to think, this was, like, 2004, 2005, when the first sort of major updates for the game were rolling out with new areas. Is that pre-World of Warcraft? Yeah, just. I think, if I remember rightly, World of Warcraft came available, like, outside of beta at, like, 2006, I think. Okay. Might be wrong there. I think it's around then. So it was pre-WoW, and... Every time they released like a new area, a new map, it was a whole new area to explore because the game doesn't rely on quest systems or like, you know, targetable NPCs to go and talk to, to get you to go to the new areas and experience the new content. It really was about exploration and it was just about kind of a bit of trial and error, a lot of community discussion because this was again, this was also kind of like pre-YouTube days or incredibly early YouTube days where it wasn't like it is now. And it was also pre-social media too. Like the most you had at this time was like MSN Messenger or AIM or something like that. So it wasn't easy to just kind of see people talking about all this content all the time. You had to sort of actually go in the game and talk to people going, oh, I found this cool location in this dungeon where when you do this, this happens. Hmm. And that was one of the really awesome things was exploring these new areas and talking to NPCs. And sometimes it was a little bit cryptic and you had to sort of really think about it and sort of like work backwards from I want to achieve this how has the game designers tried to make this happen within mm. the game and how they've incorporated it within say the level design because the game was sort of like a 2D isometric style game mm. it's like a 3D world but the character sprites were 2D and you moved on like a grid system it's, it's like of, um it's like Octopath Traveler you know newly yeah. released on the Nintendo Switch but uh, but a long time ago <laughs> yeah and it still looks really good in my opinion yeah, today. yeah. and so it was all about using those world the 3d world environment to explore and everywhere had a very different vibe to it like Mm. it all had different very color schemes was always very different and like uh the architecture style of the buildings was always really different and it made it feel like a real world it it didn't feel very lived in unfortunately because the npcs themselves never move they always stood still (laughs) so it was only human characters like real players who would move around so the the game did feel sometimes like a little bit barren especially if you were like playing maybe during like the down periods of where like people were in bed most of the time like i often played with american players because that was the primary kind of player base of the server i was on so when i was awake they were you know still at school or something you know or, or at work mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. i'd go to bed and they'd, they'd play and that's so that was frustrating so it's a li- little bit barren but just the worlds like the cities and the ruins and the dungeons and they all had a very unique feel to it and even now i can kind of remember all the names of the cities mm-hmm. and the dungeons and the the different sort of like countries and nations within the game and yeah. i can very distinctive in my mind still even now yeah and I, I mean i can also remember i don't i only played it a little bit but i can remember you know what some of the areas look like and what sort of the main city kind of shape was like and stuff like that and i think i think a lot of that with with ragnarok online what really was the sort of the clear visual design and visual cues that sort of made you feel like you understood the worlds that you were in because you could sort of remember what areas look like and that Hmm. you know it was very sort of visually identifiable as you went through the game and i think the other thing as well from from hearing you talk about it is that because it was from that era where you know discovery about what's in the game was a lot more organic you part of the reason why it's a sort of world that you love to get lost in is because there's an element of investment in the sense Mm. that like you feel a connection with that world because 
you have discovered stuff and you feel like that that's sort of special because it's not it's something that not everyone necessarily has because it's not so easy to get that information you know nowadays mm. a world in a game can't rely on that as much because there is the internet and there is discussion yeah. and spoilers and stuff like that and so it's a little bit different especially for an MMO you know for an RPG maybe you can avoid spoilers but for an MMO that's that's a that's a real feat nowadays but that was more achievable back then well nowadays the other thing as well is that the company spends so much money making new content they want you to see it mm. so they don't mm. They don't hide things away or they, in fact, it's the opposite. They very specifically put signposts up to you to go to the new content, you know, whereas RO didn't really do that. It said there's a new town over there and that was kind of it. And then you had to explore the area and work out what what was there and what to do in there. And that was like you say, because, because you investigated things and maybe you went with like a group of friends or something like your partner and you'd go and like investigate this new town you felt like a real connection to it that's really and, interesting isn't yeah. it like it's such a different sort of era from of world building from that point of view you know and it's, it's sort of i draw some parallels there to something like no man's sky and like i was th- trying to think how do you achieve that now if you wanted to that sort of like impossible to accidentally reveal discovery you yeah. know ha- and now it's like you have to do it procedurally otherwise people are just going to know already and like yeah. you say people's companies spend so much money building the content that they that they need to you know show it to you whereas back then perhaps it was kind of like well if we can stretch a bit more time out of this content by making it harder for people to, to discover and they'll get more enjoyment out of it yeah so it's by, by all means not a perfect game at mm. all. Like looking back with hindsight, it has its flaws, <laughs> but it also has so much wonderfulness to it as well mm. uh, that that I look back with a lot of fondness on. Like I remember so many of the positive elements of the game, and much of that was its world. Mm-hmm. When you say wonderfulness, my first game on on the list here for me is um is the whole of the elder scrolls series and tamriel as a world to be to be lost in i think for me really stands out but for quite for very different reasons really to some similar reasons and some different reasons compared to ragnarok online i think that there's it does one thing it does share is the sort of it has a lot of regions and what i really like about the elder scrolls series is that each game tends to focus on a different region and but mm. they're part of a larger cohesive whole like it's the same races in each game and you know that they come from other regions and you're like that region was in a different game like it was yeah. you know but it's it's a real thing and and, the, and it was in a game once and it's a real world you know it's a real area you just can't get to it and I really like that, like the feeling you're playing this game and it's a smaller part of a bigger world. You know, so many games, you're the world that you're in is the entire world, yeah. you know, and, and there's no other bit to the world apart from maybe they do an expansion and it's like, surprise, there's more to the world. Like think World of Warcraft, right? Like World of Warcraft, yes. it's just like they just add magical extra areas appear on yeah. the map. Surprise. You know, <laughs> now, now the map is like full of areas and there's no space left. No, but, it's all very crammed in. But Elder Scrolls, it's like we have have the whole area already exists and we're just going to expose it almost like almost like a series of books it does feel like they've gotten very not i don't know if it's luck or if it's intentional from from a very early on point of view within the games they've they've set out that this is a huge world mm. you know they've not shoeboxed themselves if that no. makes sense they've allowed them plenty of room to grow and yeah. expand and flex their muscles sort of thing in each game like 
from the very early stages, you had all these unique locations that you've been talking about, which right. now they can, like in almost in a book form, I like I like that a lot, expand upon and sort of unveil, and this is what this region's is all right. about. And there's no way that they, you know, back in 1994 when they released the first game, that they thought that they would still be making games in the in other regions all the way up until 2017 and, and beyond. You know, they had no... They can't have known for sure, like I'm sure they would have liked to, but, you know, to to sort of invest that time up Mm. front in building that lore. You know, I think sometimes, like a lot of games, I do feel like fantasy games like The Elder Scrolls are a little try-hard Tolkien (laughs) kind of thing. Um, You know, like a sort of like high fantasy for the sake of high fantasy, like lots Mm. of complex lore. And, you know, I know that it does all make sense and that someone has taken a lot of time to do it, but... I do find sometimes that can be a little bit difficult to enter, but just knowing that they've managed to actually pull it off after all this time and they're continuing to pull it off, it's kind of like you don't need to know the law. You can just recognize that all of these games exist and there's so much scale and diversity there that if you wanted to, you could. And you know that because you can see the evidence of this massive world. Mm. What I really love about the Elder Scrolls games is that sense of scale. Yes, you know, admittedly, the first Elder Scrolls game that I really played was Oblivion, which I think is a lot of people, a lot of people's entry into the Elder yeah, Scrolls definitely. series. And and Oblivion, you know, it really was one of those first games that just blew you away with the sense of scale and how huge it was. And I think that, you know, if we're talking about games we love to get lost in, like Oblivion and Skyrim really nail that you know, wanting to get lost, like wanting to just go in a particular direction and find stuff to do. Well, that was one of the things that I love about these games is that you're saying that they're huge and they are huge, but they're not huge and empty. They're huge and packed with stuff. Absolutely. Like you can just pick a direction to walk in randomly and you'll keep stumbling across things, even though sometimes it is sort of like copy-pasted ruins or something. Sure. There are some of that, but... Every ruin is named something different and it Mm. usually has like a little bit of lore aspect to it. Like, oh, this battle took place here or these ghosts are here or there's a massacre here or something like that. So it makes the world feel very real and very lived in and active and old as well. And And I think also, you know, thinking about immersion, they absolutely blend immersion and that sort of addictive quality by (laughs) the fact that there is that density that means that you can just be like oh just i'm just going to walk a little bit further in this direction oh what's this and you know that they've gained the immersion by having a rich world and they've also designed it in such a way that you can't help but get lost in it because of the way it's been designed but it doesn't feel like you're being forced into that it just feels like it's just really well done and i think absolutely you know that is that is a real a real feat um and and so that is why not only do i love to get lost in the elder scrolls but also in some ways bethesda have made it so that i can't help but get lost in the elder scrolls <laughs> well they've, they've done it very cleverly as well because although the main quest runs throughout the game to show you kind of key areas it never railroads you no, uh, no you're always quite free to do what you want from any kind of time period which is really nice which is quite in contrast to my second game mm. which especially the first game in the series for sure is much more of a railroaded experience but it's still a very wonderfully crafted world like i would argue just as deep in terms of its lore and its history and its thought out kind of culture as as any of the elder scrolls games really Uh, and that's the mass effect series particularly the first three games uh, i feel andromeda felt a little bit 
lacking in areas, but that's another discussion, I feel. The series as a whole is just so rich with culture and nuance to all of its races and its events and its locations. Everything just is dripping with thought and detail. Mm. So the game, I don't imagine, needs much introduction, but it was uh, 2007 initially, and then they created games ever since. Action sci-fi RPG game where you play as a human who are living in the uh, not so distant future where human humanity has found the element zero, MacGuffin element, uh, which allows them to advance their technology in massive leaps and causes them to meet all these crazy aliens and get like spaceships that can travel faster than light. Basically, but there's a convenient little uh, <laughs> little plot device. <laughs> well, basically, the element zero is that kind of we have a problem with physics okay element zero fixes it <laughs> and it, it, they do a really good job of like trying to shoehorn in real science and sort of actual humanity because it is based in the milky way like earth mm. and everything is mm-hmm. there but it also tries to make it work with like a very non-real uh galaxy like there are several alien races in the in the game you know with vastly different ways of like living and interacting than we do and like physics is broken in some aspects of things like you know faster than light travel for example and, and they just use this to 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 make that happen to allow that, that kind of fantasy this the fantasy sci-fi sort of thing right but it, it works really well because they've not just done mcguffin and that's it they've done McGuffin with much lots of detail and lots of law behind it, and lots of reasoning behind it, and everything's very cohesive in terms of how all these things work. Like, there's not they're not kind of two very different things. Like, they've always thought about well, we made this thing work like that, so we'll make this work like this, so this makes sense in relation to that. And I do find that in a in a game or in a or even in a in a book or anything, when there's that certain something about a particular game or, or or world when it has that those mechanics that work well together and you and you feel like it feels believable because it is cohesive and it feels mm. thought out to the point where it no longer feels thought but it almost feels because it does feel kind of believable it feels less thought out by a person and more mm. like something that could actually be actually be real and it's just been reported on rather right. than created exactly and it's that attention to detail that enables that really and that's really impressive because the game isn't the typical kind of open world RPG like Bethesda would create. Um, mm. It's a it's a story. It's very much a story, right? And you could easily ignore so much of this fine detail, but they've still gone and put it in there anyway. Like if you just want to go and be kind of like shooty McShooter guy and go through the game really quickly, <laughs> killing all the bad guys, you can. That's fine. But everything's still there for people that want to get really invested in the world. Like when you when you play through, say, the second and third games, there's so much rich detail in every mm. aspect of the characters that you meet and the alien races that you meet, and it's they didn't need to do that to accomplish the same game and the story. But because they did, the people that got invested in that, who got themselves lost in this world or this galaxy in this instance, felt all the more bigger payoff when big events happened. And that, that's such a, a Bioware thing to do, right? I mean, we, we did say before we started recording this episode that, you know, we, we could have filled this entire thing with Bioware and Bethesda games. And that's really Bioware's touch is that balance between accessibility and depth you know, and, and it you knowing it's there, but you don't have to necessarily 
you know, get fully absorbed by it. Bethesda do it as well. I think they both really take a lot of um, inspiration from sort of Dungeons and Dragons style of sort of lawmaking and having that sort of rich, you know, tapestry of story. Mm. But they manage to blend that with essentially what is a kind of like an action, you know, adventure game that has a singular plot that you're working through where you're one character, you know, and you somehow and you have this sort of side law that is, you know, it just shows commitment, doesn't it, to your worlds to to actually build that. It's not necessary, but it really adds so much to the experience. And I think this is why Bioware games go above and beyond because hmm. there's plenty of games with great story and there's plenty of games with good characters but none of them all seem to have that perfect mixture of all that and a real believable world um there's always something a bit lacking in in many games and recent bioware efforts have less have been less interesting i feel like the, sh- the company shifted quite considerably hmm. like andromeda had a lot of problems in that regard like Things didn't feel particularly natural. Things felt a bit forced a lot of ways. Hmm. But like there are all games like uh, Knights of the Old Republic and Mass Effect and Dragon Age. You know, they all have these very cohesive worlds to live in and to tell a story and to really make you feel the impact of things. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, Mass Effect is something that I, I've not really played a huge amount of, but I feel like I I would enjoy it. It's just kind of the commitment to playing those games. You know, there's, mm. there's a few of them and they're, and they're chunky. Um, but from a distance, I can definitely appreciate that it has an unusual care to detail and sophistication in its world building compared to a lot of sort of action RPG games where you've got a, you know, a particular story, you know, and very well thought out in terms of sci-fi as well, you know, and the, and the like you say, like the science and the aliens and stuff like that, you know, there's a lot of variation um, in them. And I think that that's, that's what helps f- make it believable and what helps you get immersed into it and mm, sort of definitely. thinking about it beyond the game, you know, because it is so believable that you then sort of start thinking about, you know, what else is going on in that world. Um, yeah. And what other stories can be told within that world as well? Right. Like it's, it's a very good indication that they've done a good job that I could probably sit here right now and list off every alien race yeah. and their home world exactly. and why they're important. And, you know, those are such unimportant details in the grand scheme of things. Mm. But because they've made them so wonderful, it makes them so memorable. And thus it leaves that lasting impression on you. Yeah, absolutely. And a game for me that's really left a lasting impression and partly because of the way that its world has been designed is a game that I've talked about already on Octal FM um, and is definitely one of my top games for a long time. And that's Horizon Zero Dawn. And Horizon Zero Dawn's world is very different from what we've discussed so far. For me, the reason why I find the world of of, of Horizon so immersive is that it is so visually enticing as mm. a as an environment um, and sort of creative, and it has such a large amount of splendor. Is if that's the right word? Yeah, no, like, I think that's a good word for it. I think that. You know, it, I've talked about it before, but just to sort of recap, it's fairly recent, 2017, West, Western style. I've, ri- I've written RPG, but I don't know why. It's not an RPG. It's a, it, it's yeah, kind it's of an, an RPG, game. but it's, it's an, an action, action adventure, really. It's sort of set in a, it appears to be post-apocalyptic. I don't want to say too much for people that haven't played it because it is very easy to spoil some of the later story in the game. But the sort of visual style, if you like, is a blend of kind of tribal and technology 
Mm. Um, and so that's what I mean when I say that there's a lot of sort of splendor and there's a lot of creativeness in the visuals of Horizon Zero Dawn. And I think that's what really got me immersed into it. You know, unlike unlike something like Elder Scrolls, it is quite sparse, you know, and I think that yeah. comes with the post-apocalyptic sort of vibe is that, you know, there's a lot of not a lot to explore. But at the same time, because it's visually so dense, you mm. do find yourself wanting to explore it, even though there's not a crazy amount in it. And it is still a very large area tr- to traverse. And it feels like all of it has been crafted. It doesn't feel like it's just kind of been like chucked together randomly. Yeah. It does feel like they've looked after each area and it's sort of everything flows very well together. Well, you are right in the sense that it isn't as, say, packed with content as other sort of similar-sized games. Mm. But one of the things that it does so perfectly, and I've not played it as much as you have, but I have played it enough to know, it, it's so fun to move around that world too. Yes. You know, it's so easy and fun and fluid to jump and run and swim, you know, around all these wonderful environments and these crazy creatures and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, it, it's always a joy to explore and thus learn more about this world. That's very true. You know, it's interesting actually... Maybe this sounds kind of weird, but almost the fact that the animation in Horizon Zero Dawn is so good, it Mm. makes you feel more immersed in the world as a whole. And I think it's because it feels more real and alive because of that animation. Mm. I think that that's a big part of why you you can feel so lost in Horizon Zero Dawn. And, And I think the fact that it has less variation, and, you know, not only is it sparse, but also you know, it's all mostly green forest and there's a little bit of desert and, you know, everything is tribal. There's not sort of like any aliens or anything like that. You know, it's, yeah. it's fairly it's fairly one dimensional in its design. You know, yes, there's a snowy area in the DLC and stuff like that. But as a result, it does feel more focused. And I think that that lends that flows into that animation and stuff like that as well. You know, it feels alive. It feels believable. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I just, I just really, like you say, actually, a, a big part of Horizon and, and feeling lost in that world is just it being such a joy to sort of wander, move around in. You know, I think that's a big part of it. And being able to easily move around a world, I think, is part of what makes it immersive. Absolutely. Otherwise, the game is just a chore to get through unless you don't want to explore. Right, exactly. Absolutely. You know, you need to balance it, I think, with a game, especially nowadays. You know, you don't want to force people to do loads of backtracking um, in games anymore because that's kind of mm. like that, that ship has sailed. And I yeah, think definitely. that backtracking makes a game feel more like a game and you lose some of that immersion if you just have to move through the world because the game developers decided that you did. You just go back to somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas I think maybe in the past that actually added to the realism aspects in some respects, but I think nowadays it doesn't. No, you need to be able to want to go back to locations, um, you know, naturally. Like one of the things they do is is you need to craft things. You need to gather materials for things. And yeah. certain areas will only have certain items that you need. So you'll want to go back to those locations to gather those items. And then when you're there, you get to kind of relive that. Oh, I remember being here for like, you know, four hours the other day. And it was mm-hmm. really nice. And you get to learn that environment again. And there's there's one other thing actually about Horizon Zero Dawn that really adds to its world. And that's its photo mode. I actually think yeah. <laughs> that the photo mode in Horizon Zero Dawn is so good. And I know it's a bit of a popular thing to do nowadays, but because it is so visually amazing, 
having that photo mode just makes you want to like explore little bits of it and sort of get interesting photos and get interesting shots. And that's part of that world being so, you know, easy to be lost in and easy to take photos of. Like you're especially yeah. like taking screenshots of a game, but you're like, oh, this is a cool shot. Like, look at this, this spit spot here. It's like going exploring on a holiday. Exactly. It's like going on holiday in a game. Like that's, <laughs> that's crazy. And I think that that's really says something about the world that Guerrilla Games built with Horizon Zero Dawn. Absolutely. Well, the last one we want to talk about is a joint one. We both mm. played this game and mm. we both really like it, but is really different reasons for liking it. So we both like it for those reasons, but they're so diverse. Uh, and that's EVE Online. So this is another MMO. So this is two MMOs, actually, uh, which is interesting. And yeah. Elder Scrolls has an MMO as well. Doesn't yeah. It? So, and it was made all the way back in 2003, which, you know, when you think of how long that's been going now, it's really quite an achievement, you know, for an MMO to still be going as strong as it is. And it is going strong. Absolutely. It's interesting because it's so not like a lot of the games on this list mm. in that it's not really believable and it isn't relatable. There's nothing to really kind of hook you in in terms of a, a clear visual identifier because everything's very, I don't, I don't want to say clinical, but it's all kind of cut and paste right a lot of the times copy and paste so the it, as a back backstory for it um it's a space mmo where you control like a ship you pilot a ship you it's set very very far in the future and very very far away from our own galaxy so everything's new like nothing is even remotely relatable to to earth or no. you know the milky way or anything we, we would know so that does that in a way is good because it gives them kind of creative license to do whatever they want, and they they've created a really wonderful. It's the society and then the the backstory which is right. more interesting Absolutely. because there's there's five very distinct societies, and although they're just they work as basically playable races within the game, like from a gameplay point of view, they add so much backstory and. I don't want to say set dressing because that makes it sound negative, but it, it allows them to kind of tell stories and mm. allows them to create kind of interesting quests and great dynamics within the game world that people get sucked into and often draw sides to as well. Like you often kind of like, you know, side with one or two particular factions. Yeah, it kind of it gives the framework right for telling those stories by having that, you know, by having those diverse you know societies, if you like, in the game. What I really think about, it's really interesting because like you say, EVE is, is such a different game compared to the other games that we've talked about here. And it's on this list for a very, for very different sets of reasons. I think with EVE, the way technically the game is made and the fact that it is one server, you know, you mentioned when you said, when you talked about Ragnarok Online and you said, you know, the, the server names are based on the, you know, the Norse mythology or whatever. And in Eve, there are no, there is only one server, and everyone plays on the same server, and so, and everything is player driven. You know the economy and the and the and essentially the storyline to some extent, and events happen in Eve that are covered in video game news websites. Like you can go onto Polygon or Kotaku or whatever, and if something big has gone down in the world of Eve, then it will be written about. And sometimes yeah. real money is involved because there's actually a correlation between Eve economy and and real economy, which means that if there's a huge war that breaks out and ships are destroyed, then that is actually thousands of pounds of real effectively real money lost. Yes, yeah. That's the reason why the game is so engrossing you right. get lost within it because it becomes part of your world you don't get lost in it it becomes part of your exactly, world exactly exactly 
And that's a huge difference compared to the other games that we've talked about here. You know, I think that's a really good way of describing it is that it becomes part of your world. You know, it, it's sort of a, it is absorbed into your world rather than a world that you enter. It is the same as your world almost. Because the, the player groups that you, you end up with in, in corporations and alliances become some of your closest friends. Mm. And it's not like a lot of, say, more modern MMOs where you're kind of encouraged to just play with randoms maybe for an hour or something and that's it. It's it's a game that really encourages a group of people to really band together and become a great community. Right. And if you don't, you don't get to play on the great galactic scale of the game. And by doing this, you, you really invest your time in everything about it both in terms of the gameplay itself but also just all of the inter-social stuff that's going on between say your group and an enemy rival group you know those people are fine you like those people but they're also doing something you don't want them to do mm-hmm. in, <laughs> in the game and and that's where the wonderful stories come from and that's one of the things that they hang their hat on the most isn't it the, the developers is there's so many wonderful stories and events that have happened within the game that it has its own history you know right. people have written history books about eve that players created yeah because it's so natural and organic so it's interesting isn't it as a as a game as a game world it's probably has the potential to be one to be the most immersive on our list and the one that you are most likely or most able to get lost in and that's because it overlaps with the real world the most out of all of these games um which is really interesting i mean i would recommend all of these to try oh, yeah, because they're absolutely. all actually good games as well like they all have their caveats to them but i think all of these are actually good games just to do enjoy to play but they all have that very unique and interesting world to involve yourself within to really fixate on to obsess over so that when you you know you're driving to work or mm. uh, you know you're waiting for a bus or whatever you're thinking about that oh there's that place in the, in that area of the game and you know you you start thinking about the characters and the locations within the game with as much familiarity as you would with your own city you know Mm, mm, absolutely absolutely and it's really it's really interesting to drill down on one specific area of what makes games immersive and talk about the game world specifically because we've talked before actually about you know what games do you think about after you're playing them and you know and and sometimes it's not games that have a rich game world. You know, maybe you're thinking about a game because it's a strategy game and you and you really want to win the best and you're thinking about your build order or something. Yeah. You know, that's nothing to do with the game world, but it's super immersive. And then on the other side, you have games like this, where the game world is really what draws you in and what makes the game stick in your mind. Mm. Um, and then even then, even within that little subgenre of immersive games, there are then so many different types of immersive game worlds and we've gone from everything from you know an mmo that actually is quite you know sparse in terms of like um you know it can sort of feel quite barren and not necessarily lived in like ragnarok online but where it has such a strong visual identity that you can just remember everything about what was in that world even years after playing Mm. it to something like eve where it's not necessarily about the what's in that game world but it's more about who's in that game world yes and about the interactions that you have while you're playing that game and while you're in that world you know it's such a huge variety there such a huge huge range of different mm. things um it's it's really incredible and these are worlds that we'd, we'd love to get lost in mm. you know that that's the title of the episode mm. we do and 
what I'd like to know now is what games you like to get lost in. Absolutely. You know, because there's going to be more. We wrote down a couple extra on this list. Like one of the ones I really enjoyed was Stardew Valley because it felt like a very real place that you mm. kind of get involved in the lives of people. So we didn't have time to talk about that one today, unfortunately. We've talked about that loads on Octal and, FM. So yeah. just need and to also, again. I, I thought of one as well that I just don't have enough um, to, enough sort of experience to talk about. And that's Myst and the Myst yeah. series. Yeah. I played I played Myst 3 Exile um, quite a bit a long long time ago and you know there's such there's a completely different world again because Very. there's no one in that world so, like that world is nope. empty that's <laughs> the point like, as well like. you know that's that's such a different a different sort of game world but has but also has crazy levels of immersion you know so even there's there's so many more as well so yeah absolutely you should you should let us know i think you you can tweet us at Oxal FM, my favorite game world is and why yeah um, that's easy definitely do that and you can also email us if you have a longer um, essay to write about your favourite game worlds. And you can email us at show at octal.fm. And or you could come come onto our Facebook um, and, I don't know, post on our Facebook page. I'm yeah. trying to think, like, you can't really... Can you at a Facebook page? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think sort of. It doesn't sort really of. work. Um, just yeah. come to our Facebook page. Yeah, come along and like our Facebook page as well. And just search Octal FM on Facebook for that. But yeah, we uh, we hope you enjoy this episode, and we uh, we sincerely hope you do get lost in some game worlds very soon. Absolutely, uh, and look forward to our next one. Yep, catch us again for another episode of Octal FM very soon. Oh my god, okay, I need to open these windows. Jesus Christ, I think I might be going a little bit. I think I might be getting heat stroke. Oh, we didn't do an I've been gelato and I've been Seferin. Oh well. Oh well. It, it worked out. Mind. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Oxal FM. I'm Seferin. And I'm Gelada. And today we were going to discuss. No, that's not right. We're not going to. We were not we're going to. We, we were, were going, going to. to. <laughs> we were going to, but then we've just changed our mind, actually. <laughs> Screw it. That's it. Episode over. <laughs>